Good morning, good morning. Good to see everyone. How are you this morning? It's chilly. That's what it is. But it's called October. It's supposed to start getting chilly. Now, I'm aware that uh, the, what follows is not nearly as much fun, but, uh, but, you know, it won't be long before spring will be here, and so we'll get past it. Well, it's good to have you here. If this is your first time visiting, if you would stop by the Welcome Center out there, we have a gift for you. If you're visiting online for the first time, if you'll uh, scan that QR code or go to our website and let us know you're out there listening, it's always an encouragement to us. We would appreciate it. And uh, nursery workers are needed. I love that announcement. I hope we can keep that announcement up there for a while. Uh, that's an exciting thing when a church needs nursery workers. So here's how desperately we need nursery workers. We're willing to let couples be in the nursery. Dads, you have your chance to be in there. Uh, no, you won't have to change diapers. We wouldn't trust you with that one. But uh, uh, we'll, we'll let you be in there. We just need some bodies uh, in there to help take care of the extra little bodies that God's been given our church. So uh, those are always a blessing. So uh, nursery workers, see Miss Chrissy or Miss Megan. For those, Halloween Tract Ministry, so that is tomorrow here, 9.30 to 11.30, if you want to help stuff some bags for the Irvington Halloween uh, outreach there, see uh, Beth Olson or Glenda Dennison for any, uh, if you have any questions about that. And there is a baby shower next Sunday that is at noon, there's a taco bar that will be provided, that's for Jennifer Foster, and they are registered at Amazon, so you can come to that. And I saw some people bringing in some gifts today, and they were like, oh, we couldn't remember if it was today or next Sunday. That might be my fault. Uh, I'm not going to take responsibility, but it might be my fault. I might have said something like next Sunday, last Sunday. Uh, but it is next Sunday as of today, so uh, just so you're aware. And then Trunk or Treat is uh, coming up. We're doing a Trunk or Treat as an actual outreach. So these things, just like you're seeing there, have gone out of the mailer uh, with the backside having other information about it. We're trying to invite the community out. And so if you're willing to participate with that, there's a couple ways you can help. You say, Pastor John, I can't be here, or I don't want to have to try to decorate my trunk. Then you can uh, bring some bags of candy and let somebody else do the work for you. That would be great. So we'll collect bags of candy from you, or you can uh, sign up out there and say, my trunk will be decorated and opened up and ready for the community to come through. We are expecting about 100, 150 kids, maybe, something along that line. So it's, uh, we don't know. We've never done this community-wise. We could have 500 kids, I suppose, potentially. But, uh, you know, we'll just see what the Lord does, and we'll try to be a blessing either way. So uh, that's coming up. Ladies' Christmas party is coming up Saturday, December 9th. Uh, that is uh, 9.30 11, and so there's a sign-up in the vestibule out there. Ladies, they're going to ask you to go ahead and sign up, even, even if you think you're going to come, because they need to get a general count. Uh, so they'd rather you sign up and then say, oh, I didn't realize I had this going, I can't come, than to not sign up and then show up and they don't have enough stuff. So if you could just make sure that uh, you sign up, that'd be great. And then the 2024 Vacation Bible School Showcase is out there. If you're interested in helping out with Vacation Bible School, then please consider attending the Showcase event. That is at the Ark Encounters, where it takes place on Saturday, January 20th. Uh, they have sample snacks. You can watch demonstrations of the crafts. They can, they'll give you an overview of the Bible lesson time. You can hear decorating tips and tricks, other things that you can do. Uh, so that's included in the showcase, so if you're interested in that, please sign up or CJD. Uh, that would be a great help. And then our missionaries of the week are the Ortiz family. I tell you now, Josue and Rebecca are getting the job done. Let me share with you 
uh, from their last newsletter, we had the privilege of participating in the inauguration of a new church plant about 50 minutes away from where our church is located. Josue has been mentoring and helping to prepare Pastor Rodrigo for this church opening. Our church, the church where they started all of this and they've been planting churches from it like crazy, our church has had a big part also financially in getting the church ready to open. We took over 100 people from our church to canvas the area where the church was opening. It was a blessing to be able to see the fruits of our prayers and work as over 20 visitors came the first Sunday and several more families came on the second Sunday. That is a missionary getting the job done. And uh, it's exciting to know that we have missionaries out there like that. So pray for uh, the Ortiz family in Mexico City. Let's have the men come. We're going to take up the morning offering. Welcome to all of you. Looking forward to what, uh, see what the Lord's going to do here today. Brother Ed, would you ask God's blessing on this service and uh, on the offering and also on the Ortiz family in Mexico City? Lord, today we come to you thanking you again for this privilege that's ours to come to your house and hear the word of God. Lord, we thank you for the Ortiz family and the blessings that uh, is going on in Mexico, and we know you're in the middle of that, and Lord, we pray that you would continue to bless. Lord, I ask for uh, prayer today for Brother John as he preaches the word of God, that you would just bless in this service and may your will be done. I pray for this offering that you might take it, use it to uh, furtherance the gospel, and we'll thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. And we'll sing together our first hymn, Crown Him with Many Crowns.
Those of the congregation which are able, please stand for the reading of sacred scripture. The epistle of Paul the Apostle to the Romans, chapter 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. May the Lord prosper his word. Verse 2, he sent it yet. Please remain standing. Well, let's join. We'll sing together now. Great is thy faithfulness. Long song. Sorry.
His robes for mine, wonderful exchange. Yeah. 
Gentle 
Amen. Thank you, guys. Come to me. I will give you rest, Jesus says. Take your Bibles into the book of Luke, the 16th chapter of the book of Luke. We'll get there eventually. All right? The 16th chapter of the book of Luke. We're looking at why you should consider Jesus Christ, why you should consider salvation, reasons why you should give consideration to this thing called salvation that is spoken of in the Bible. Today, we're looking at eternity and uh, whether we... Sometimes it doesn't really matter what you believe, right? So if, I, if I say, hey, uh, the dishes need to be done, and my kid says, I don't believe there's dirty dishes in the sink. What does that matter? Right? It doesn't really matter what they believe. Or I don't believe it's worth it to me to uh, do the dishes. Well, it doesn't really matter what my kid believes at that moment. You understand? Uh, because there's still a reality in place. And so today I want to talk to you about the reality of eternity. Uh, we, we know this, that uh, it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment, right? We're going to stand before God. And so I want to talk to you about eternity today. Father, as we consider what you have done to purchase our souls and to pay the debt that we have from our sinful condition, as we consider your Son, Jesus Christ, as we consider the shortness of this life, and as we consider your love for us, may we take into consideration today uh, an eternity that must be dealt with. And Father, we will thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There is famously a sermon preached. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And we're going to talk about that eternity today. Why it is that you and I should take a moment to consider eternity. The Here is it is an absolute certainty. All of us in this room, apart from the rapture, all of us in this room are going to die, right? Every one of us. In fact, this is the hard... It's really weird to think this through, but the moment, the moment of conception, you started dying. Not started living, you started dying. And I can prove it this to you really simply, right? So you're born, and then you have a birthday. Why is it you have a birthday? Because you are getting... Older. Now, I'm grant, I'll grant you that one doesn't sound that old. Uh, at my age, 51 doesn't sound that old. But anyway, um, I'll grant you that you know, age is relative, but the reality is everyone is catapulting toward this thing called death. That's the truth of everyone. And after that, there's eternity. Now, we're going to talk about the wonderful side of it first. All right? I, want to, I want to get you excited. There's two reasons in eternity why you should consider what you're going to do with Jesus Christ right now. One of them is this wonderful place called heaven. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. And the reality is, a God who knows how to give good gifts unto his children, a God who, when we ask for a fish, doesn't give us a serpent, when we ask for bread, doesn't give us a stone, a God who says to us, I have not seen, neither ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man what God has in store for those who love him, heaven is a wonderful place. Uh, here a while back, it was on a Sunday night. It might have been, I don't know, four or five months ago. I don't remember when it was now. We started talking about heaven. I have, I have a mindset of heaven that probably is going to make some of you cringe a little bit. But it's just, I mean, I have not seen nor ear heard. So if you just take your wildest imagination, in my wildest imagination, here's what heaven looks like. I'm just going to be honest with you, all right? I, I love musicals. And I imagine in heaven, because in heaven, I personally believe 
that heaven looks more like the Garden of Eden than it does clouds and hearts. There's a reason why at the end of the book, the Bible says God made a new heaven and a new earth, and this is where we're going to spend eternity. And I believe that heaven is very tangible. It, is the, it literally is the, the redemption of God's creation. And all of God's creation is currently groaning under the curse of sin, and the, the curse of sin is lifted, and God's creation is, uh, is returned to its glory and in a state that uh, will, because we are redeemed now, never go back. And what a wonderful thought that is. But anyway, here's what I imagine heaven to be. So I'm out there, you know, I like working in a garden, so I love the idea of, of heaven looking like a garden that we're supposed to tend. We were supposed to tend the garden, by the way, before sin entered into the world. So here we are, we're out there tending the garden, and I know this would shock you, but a song pops into your pastor's heart. And I start singing, and in my imagination, here's what happens. All of a sudden, windows open, people flooding into the streets. And we're all singing together, just like in the musicals, right? Everybody knows the song, and everybody's just singing it together. And then it kind of calms back down, and everybody just goes back to what they were doing before. And then, in my mind, it's like it's a wave across heaven of this praise that takes place. And then all of a sudden, way over there someplace, thousands of miles away, another wave starts, and it comes back this direction. And we're praising the Lord while we're... That's my idea of heaven. But here's what I know. If that's my imagination of it, my heart hasn't even begun to imagine what heaven is going to be like. So for those of you who hate singing, I don't want to tell you. <laughs> you can pray that your pastor's wrong, I don't know. But there's praise that happens in heaven, that much I know. And uh, so you know, I, I just, it's a wonderful place. And if you would just consider, consider Jesus Christ for a moment, for this reason alone, because only Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. The only way we're going to get to this wonderful place is through Jesus Christ. And if you've never trusted Jesus Christ, your Savior, this is the time to consider that. Let's, let's, the Bible says now is the time, today is the day of salvation. Let's, let's consider it now. Let's consider trusting what Jesus Christ did on the cross to redeem my soul as the payment for my sins so that I can go to this wonderful place called heaven. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on heaven today because we've spent time there just recently. I'm going to look at Luke chapter 16. And let's take a look at that together. We'll read it, in verse, starting in verse uh, 19. Luke chapter 16, verse 19. Jesus is speaking. He says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which ha- was laid at his gate, full of sores, and being desiring, and I'm sorry, and desiring to be fed uh, with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And we can talk about that later, but that's literally, I don't know if you're aware, but that's, is legitimately a way for you to help your sores. If you have an open sore, let a dog lick it. It does help. Uh, I think there's better things out there now than dog licks, but hey, you know, whatever. If it works for you, go for it. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried in the, in, uh, by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Look at verse 23. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. I want to stop for a moment here. So, you know, the, the reality is there is a, there's two possibilities after this life, just two. There's this wonderful place called heaven. It is not that God is an ogre sitting on a throne waiting for the opportunity to send someone to hell. God has to do nothing for people to go to hell. Here's what the Bible says. He that believeth not is condemned already. 
God has to do nothing for people to go to hell. Sin demands a payment, and that payment is separation from God forever. And that is a place called hell. God has to do nothing. The reality is God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God has to do nothing for us to go to hell, but he steps in to give us an opportunity to bypass hell and to go to a place called heaven. Because what we do not want to do is to go to this place called hell. Say, well, God, why would God send anyone there? God sends no one to hell. He doesn't. God has to do nothing. We're going to hell. Period. That's where we're headed. God's not sending us there, but we send ourselves there when we reject what God has done for us. He that believeth not is condemned already. When we reject what God has done, when we reject the light, read John chapter 1, right? The light has shined to every man. And then in John chapter 1, verse 12, those who believe become the sons of God. When we reject the light, when we turn away from what God has done, we are, we are condemning ourselves. We are just continuing on our path to this place called hell. Well, what I want to do today is look at hell using our senses. We, just like we can't fully understand heaven because we've not been there, we cannot fully understand hell. So we take what the Bible tells us and we'll develop an understanding. The first thing it says here, by the way, if we're going to use our, the sense of our touch and feeling, is he lifts up his eyes being in torment. I don't know what torments look like. The Bible describes a, hell as a place where the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not. The worm literally being a reference to our soul. Uh, you know, the Apostle Paul used the same phrase when he said that Jesus Christ saves such an worm as I. Right? And so, uh, you know, it, it's that our soul, uh, our soul will go and exist somewhere forever. And we will either exist in eternal life in heaven or we will exist in eternal death in hell. But our soul exists somewhere. And if we go to hell, that place is a place of torment. In this story, that torment, well, let's just read it and you'll see what some of that torment looks like. And seeing Abraham afar off uh, and Lazarus in his bosom, he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. The idea that just a drop of water would make a difference. Father Abraham, let Lazarus come with just a drop of water on his finger. It would make a difference in the torment of my tongue, because I am tormented in this flame. Um, you know, the, there's hardly any way to die that's good, right? I mean, most of us, you know, what we, most of us want to, what we imagine is that one day we'll fall asleep and then we'll wake up in heaven and that's the way it's going to be. Uh, you know, that's a nice thought, right? But, but there are certain ways that we know would be horrible to die, right? We know. And fire is one of those. It would be awful to be burning and, and to scream out. So there's a, there's a story. It's been floating around forever and ever. It's probably out there someplace on the internet even, but before the internet the story existed, whether or not it's an urban legend or not, I don't know. 
the chemical does exist, all right? So supposedly this guy in Ohio uh, worked for a chemical company, and they had this chemical that when it came in contact with water, it would create fire. That chemical exists. That's not, that part isn't an issue. But supposedly this guy took it home and was trying to do a parlor trick one night when he had some company over, spilled some of that uh, as he was holding it over the sink, spilled some of it, onto himself, and it dropped into the sink, and he burst into flames. And uh, so the ambulance comes, and the ambulance doing what only the ambulance knows to do, tries to clean the wounds. And as they're putting water on the wounds, it just continues to flame up, and, and he's screaming, and he's crying out. And, and so, you know, I, I don't know if that happened or not. I'm just being honest. I don't. But I will tell you, that that's nothing compared to what hell would be like. The Bible describes, the, describes this place as a lake of fire. So imagine with me, if you would, for a moment, that you, uh, you're on a diving board. This happened to me, by the way. I was about 10 years old. You're on a diving board. You take a deep breath. You jump in. Now, in my case, I panicked, and I opened my mouth and drank a bunch of water, and I had to get rescued by my sister-in-law and almost died, blah, blah, blah. But imagine you jump into that water, and you go down, and you go down, and you go down, and you're holding your breath, and all of a sudden your body starts saying something like this. You need to breathe. So you turn around, you start heading to the surface. If you cannot get to the surface in time, your body takes over from what your mind is telling it to do. Your mind says, you're still underwater, don't breathe. You're still underwater, don't breathe. But there's a point at which no, your mind cannot control this anymore. Your body kicks in. And, and you breathe in that water, right? Can you imagine you're thrown into a lake of fire and you sink down and you sink down and your body's screaming out, I need air, I need air. And you begin to struggle to get to the surface and struggle to get to the surface and you... You can't seem to get there, and you can't seem to get there, and you're holding and you're holding it. And it would be okay if you died. But hell is a place of eternal torment, where the worm dieth not. And imagine, if you would, breathing in that fire. I am tormented in this flame. Just a drop of water on my tongue. Anything, anything to get me away from this pain, this torment, this torture that, my, that I am enduring. The Bible describes this place as a bottomless pit. You know, there are a few things that man is really afraid of. One of them is falling. I don't know if this is true. We've got a couple of doctors here. They can tell me if this is true or not. I don't even know how people would know it, right? But they say that if you fall from a long distance, you usually die of a heart attack before you ever hit the bottom, right? So like if you fell out of an airplane, you don't have to worry about the splat. It's, you're going to be dead long before you get there. I have no idea if that's true or not, right? And how do you find out? Do you ask the guy? I don't know how you find out. So chances are you're not going to find out. But it's frightening, to, and I can prove that it's frightening to fall. Have you ever been laying there at night? You're just, you're just about going to sleep, and all of a sudden your whole body jerks because you felt like you were falling. Have you ever, that sensation is just such a weird sensation. It's like, whoa, just, your whole body jerks. And, and there, in this place, you fall, and you fall, and you fall. 
and you never stop falling. And while you're falling, you're burning. And while you're burning, you're screaming out in torment. And while you're burning and falling and screaming out in torment, hundreds of millions of souls who have lived before and rejected Christ are falling and screaming and burning around you. You ever wonder what hell would sound like? The Bible literally describes the screaming of, of this concept, but it's usually describing it one person at a time. Multiply that out millions of times to everyone who's rejected Christ. And imagine for a moment what it must be like to listen to the screams of the torments of hell. I, I hear people talk. I've never, I've never watched someone burning to death. But I've heard firefighters recount the stories. And it's a sound that often they struggle to get out of their mind. I've heard soldiers recount the stories of men in tanks or back in you know, when they would drop the, um, the flame gases and, and, and men would recount the stories of listening to the screen and it haunts their memory for years and years and years and multiply that out by the millions of people who all around you are screaming and crying and falling and burning and begging and pleading for help, but none is there. Because it is appointed unto men once to die. Because God in His grace and mercy has given us an opportunity to deal with this, and He's offered us the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And we said no, and we said no, and we said no one time too many. And now here we are in eternity. Not because God's a mean God. God is a gracious God, a kind God, a loving God. This guy is tormented in the flame. In verse 26, he says, Abraham, Father Abraham is talking. He says, beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed. Here's the point of that verse. You can't get out. You can't get out. This is what eternity is. Eternity puts us in place for eternity. And that place is either a wonderful place that God has prepared for us, a place that is so wonderful our imaginations can't think of what it's like. It is a wonderful, exciting place that everyone would want to live for all eternity. But the ultimate the other side of that is a place called hell where we also can't escape and burning and falling and crying in this place that is there. The you know what's another thing that men are afraid of? They're afraid of falling. Fire doesn't... Men, men like fire, right? Until it's out of control. Let's be honest, guys. We like fire. There's a, a bunch of pyromaniacs in here They're, and uh, they all have a certain chromosome. That's us. We, we like fire. But have you ever had a fire get out of control? Have you ever had a, and all of a sudden, your love for fire changes a lot? Twice in my life I've had a fire get out of control. One time here on the church property, I've always watched as farmers would burn 
uh, the weeds along the fence row, right? And so one summer I decided I'm going to take care of these weeds the right way. I'm going to burn them. And uh, stupid me, because right next door, there weren't houses back then, there was a, a bean field. This was in the fall when the, le when the, the weeds would burn. But guess what else burns? And I'm watching that fire go beyond my ability to control it. And I am running. I don't have enough hose. To, I mean, we didn't have this church building wasn't here. I'm running. I'm filling up five-gallon buckets and running them back. I'm filling up five-gallon buckets and running I'm out there by myself. Melody, I don't know where she was, to be honest with you. She was probably watching out the window and thinking, what's that idiot doing? I don't really know what she's doing. <laughs> and I finally got it out, and it was like panic. I was like so, whew, it was just awful. And then another time, my dad and I were tearing down my sister's garage. And my sister lived kind of in town, right? And my dad's like, you know, we're not going to pay for somebody. We're just going to burn this. And so we're just burning it. We're burning it all day long, burning it all day long. Well, the tree nearby where the fire was had been getting hotter and hotter all day long. And all of a sudden, there's a fire that goes shooting straight up the side of that tree. I mean, the entire side of the tree. And we're looking and thinking, we've just set the neighborhood on fire, you know. And so that time we did have a hose handy. We were able to get the, oh, there's nothing worse than having. So that's fire is something we're afraid of. Falling, you know what else we're afraid of? We're afraid of the dark. Every one of us. I'm not afraid of the dark, Pastor John. No, you're not. Probably not. I mean, I, it, I'm not afraid of the dark. I like to get up and go to the restroom in the middle of the night, whatever. I'm not afraid of the dark. But if you were in the dark for an hour, two hours, and I'm not talking about just any dark. The Bible actually talks about a darkness that can be felt. Remember that one? That was when the uh, ten plagues were coming down. Do you remember? Uh, have, you, have, you, have you been to, um, to Mammoth Cave when they turn out? Okay, so most of, many, uh, half of us have been to Mammoth Cave. And they're like, okay, we're going to show you what darkness is. And I'm not making this up. Somebody can be right here doing this and you don't know it. There's just, you see nothing because there is zero light coming into that cave at that depth, you don't see anything. You, don't, you know what you don't do? You don't move. Because you remember that right over there was the bottomless pit, right? In, in Mammoth Cave. Here, throw this rock in there, and you never hear it hit bottom. It's the weirdest thing. It's like, okay. And so now the light's throughout, you're like, I'm not moving. <laughs> but you know what? If you, if you were by yourself in a building, and you had this darkness that could be felt, it wouldn't be long before you'd be thinking, did I hear something move? Is there somebody breathing over there? Because darkness does something to you. It just does. Can you imagine, after a hundred days, a hundred years, a thousand years of darkness and falling, and burning, and screaming. What it would be doing to your mental state. Hell is an awful, awful place. And no one should go there. God did not create hell so that He could send us someplace. He did not have to create hell to send us someplace. We were already condemned, you understand? But hell literally was not made for mankind. It was not. Not. And yet, this is our destiny. 
if we reject Jesus Christ. I'm asking this. Would we consider eternity today? There's reasons why we need to today get it settled. Where will we spend eternity? Heaven is a wonderful place. Can't wait to go. And I'm only going not because I come to this church because this church can't get me there. I'm not going because I'm a pastor. I'm not going because I read my Bible. I'm not going because I try to be a good guy. I'm going to heaven because I have a good God who made a way through Jesus Christ. And I have trusted Jesus Christ and his death on the cross as the payment for my sins. And in Christ, I stand redeemed. I stand justified, sanctified, glorified. When God sees me, he doesn't see me with all of my sin. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ upon me. And I'm going to heaven. But take away the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Take away the concept of having trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And my soul is already condemned. Headed to a place called hell for all eternity. The question is, where are you headed? That's the question. Heads about eyes closed. The Bible says nothing about this one, but I wonder, can you imagine what hell must smell like? Burning flesh, burning hair. I've smelled that, and it's nasty. Can you imagine millions around you burning and what hell must smell like? Using our senses. Oh, we don't want to go there. Hey, say, Pastor John, I know for a fact, I can remember a time I placed my confidence in what Jesus Christ did as the payment for my sin. And Pastor, if I die today, I know I'm going to a wonderful place called heaven. As a testimony to that, would you slip your hand up and let me see that so I can rejoice with you? Thank you. Thank you. May I put your hands down? Maybe. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor John, I don't know. Truth is, Pastor, if I die today, I'm not certain. Let me, let me tell you, there's only one of two places you're going. If you've trusted Christ, you're going to heaven. But without Jesus, we're condemned already. Headed to an awful place called hell that is no place that anyone would want to go. Anyone. The concept of you know, all my friends are going to be there. There are no friends in heaven. Everyone's falling and burning and screaming around you. That's hell. Say, Pastor, I'm not certain that if I died today, I would go to heaven. Pastor, I'm concerned about my soul, about where I would spend eternity. Pastor, I need to get this settled. Right now, right where you're sitting, in the quietness of this moment, you can place your faith, your trust, your confidence in what Jesus Christ did on the cross as the payment for your sin debt. You can know that you're on your way to heaven. Right now, right where you're sitting. Lord, please forgive me my sins and save me. And trust God to keep his promise that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And a God who cannot lie will, will at this moment give you the gift of eternal life and prepare you for a wonderful place called heaven.
right now, right where you're sitting. Say, Pastor, sitting here this morning, as best I know how, I've, I'm doing that right now. I'm, I'm asking the Lord to forgive me my sins and save me. I may not understand everything about it, Pastor, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust God to keep this promise. And this morning, I'm trusting Jesus sitting right here. Would you look up at me for just a moment and make eye contact with me if that's what you did this morning? Anyone make sure I see that? Anyone like that? We would be honored to talk to you if you're uncertain about that. Father, I thank you so much that uh, so many have given testimony of trusting Christ. Thank you for that wonderful place called heaven that we can look forward to. God, may we be motivated to tell others about your son because of heaven and its wonders and because of hell and its horrors. And Father, we will thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing together. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. The altar is open to you. If you need to step forward and do business with the Lord, the altar is open to you. You step out. baptism we're going to get ready for. I have a couple things following the baptism. Um, deacons will be meeting with some people who would like to join the church, and we'd like to let them. And uh, these are available to you out there to pass out for the trunk or treat if they're on the welcome center stand. We still need some cars to sign up. Say, Pastor, I do this every year. We need you to sign up so we know that you're doing it. If you would just help us out and uh, make sure that we have enough cars that are going to be uh, participating in that so we can cover everybody, right? So, Jason, if you'll lead us in a song, we'll get ready for the baptism. together, trust and obey, number 414 in the hymnal if you need it. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still, and with all
this is hot. <laughs> we have Woody Loy. If you want to be the same, and if you die, you know you're good. On your professional faith in Jesus Christ, and I baptize you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Bear with him a baptism and likeness of his death. Raise with him to walk in newness of life. There you go. That water's downright toasty. I was like, woo, okay, at least it's not cold. All right. <laughs> Let's stand and we'll let you be dismissed. What a joy it is to see our kids growing up and trusting Christ and following him in baptism. Just a joy. So, I think William's been born, uh, I don't think. I don't think he was born here, trusting the Lord here, baptized here. What a joy it is. Lord bless you. Keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Give you peace. God bless you, Gertrude.